0: My name's Lucy Burke, and you're listening to the Manchester Green New Deal podcast. Joining me, as ever, is journalist Alex King. Hi, Alex. Hello. Climate activist Adam Williams. Not looking Hi. very active right now, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Chilling on my couch. Thanks, Lucy. Wow. Good to see you.
0: It's a pleasure. And as always, producer extraordinaire Andrew Glassford. Hi, Andrew.
2: Hey, Lucy. How's it going?
0: So um, this episode is being recorded on December the 17th and we were planning on getting together for a drink this evening, but that was before Chris Whitty got in touch to say that we'd be a lot better off staying in and recording our Christmas special (laughs) rather than going to the pub. (laughs) So here we all are, um, ready to reflect on 2021, a year in which we've seen multiple major climate disasters across the world, from floods, wildfire, record-breaking rainfall, temperatures and melt events. The fossil fuel industry sent the largest delegation to COP26, and far too many politicians still believe that technology will save us from the existential threats we face. So on that cheery note, it's time for us to discuss our high points and low points this year, and our favourite moments on the podcast, from comments that changed how we think to contributors who inspired us to keep going. So I'm going to start um, start with you, Ads. What were your favourite, some of your highs or lows from from this year?
1: Yeah, um so my lows, I'm gonna start with obviously COP twenty six for me was a big was a big blow, me personally. I've been focusing a lot on national, been focusing a lot on grassroots, took my eye off the global, hoped that that would take care of itself. It didn't. Um and so that was a body blow, uh which I've not fully recovered from yet. Um but you know the high the highs has been this podcast, obviously. You know, we've been we've been blessed to with lots of amazing people, you know, and I know we've discussed who our favourites are and some of us have the same ones. But, you know, for me, it was um, Kai Herring was an amazing one. Um, People who don't know my background, you know, I've got some education in critical theory, which is something which is fantastic even day to day, but it's not often you get to, to talk about it in depth. And I really thought Kai sort of praxis between sort of Marxist Theory and practice coming together was 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 a really amazing discussion with yourself, Lucy. Obviously, JC Jeremy Corbyn was it was a real treat for us all. Massive amount of knowledge. I never realised just how much genuine knowledge he had on, on the environment. Um, which again, it left a bit, sort of a bit of taste because you know when when we had a leader that was so genuinely knowledgeable on the environment and now we don't you know a little bit of a body blow but I suppose as an environmentalist it's a series of body blows so you just (laughs) kind of sort of got to roll with them um so yeah that's probably two my two my highlights and one one big one big negative was yeah was the old cop 26.
2: Did, Did any of you guys have like flashbacks the other week when it was like December the 10th the election in twenty nineteen, like I was just like I was sat I sat like in my living room, just felt like cold and wet for a moment. Like I was running around the streets of, <laughs> of Bury again. It was it was weird and just feeling about what would have happened, you know, in two years of a of a Corbyn government as opposed to two years of uh, Johnson, the Clown Patrol. But yeah, oh, weird, it? yeah. yeah
0: tell t- tell me about it,
2: Andrew. Would <laughs> 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 have been uh, well, yeah, a much more exciting job job for you, Lucy. I Supposed of what well,
0: you're doing now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's, a, there's a video that we took the day before election day, which is of everybody standing on the Met um, in Presswich yeah. and the camera goes up and everybody... You know, there were so many people who came out who were enthusiastic and hopeful and so much of that was about, you know, just what, you know, an amazing manifesto it was in terms of tackling the climate emergency. So a lot of hope. And then so I went from that. And every time I watch that video, I feel I, I can feel how I felt like full of anticipation. And then the next day, all I did was just get drenched. I was soaked to the skin, you know, the everything all anything paper that was in my hand disintegrated. And I just got that feeling about what was going to happen next. So, so yeah, I do. I, I, I do think about that a lot. But you know, I wouldn't have been here with you guys. Well, so yeah, you know, highs but, and lows, right? Yeah, because yeah. yeah,
1: there's, there's not, there's no way on earth we would have let an MP be part of the crew. So uh... it was either that or this. <laughs>
0: yeah, so exactly, right. And and you know, I think actually, probably, you know, I'm I'm better off
2: here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about you then? What, what what were your highs, lows?
2: Unlike Alex, I'm not really a journalist of any renown or skill. So going to... Hack yourself, please. <laughs> go into Labour conference and kind of covering that was pretty extraordinary for myself. I'd never been before. Um, and then just like hanging around with loads of socialists and seeing, you know, madness unfold and kind of understanding what the Labour Party is in a structural and functional level was really interesting. And then just chatting to people who like have various forms of power and kind of interesting hearing the difference between their rhetoric and what they do in Parliament... And just, yeah, that was a bit of an eye-opening experience for me, for a man who maybe shouldn't be as naive as he is at 30 years old. So that was really good. And then lows of the year, watching a government again and again, or the Western world just letting COVID get out of control for the sake of not wanting to give, you know, to release, uh, like, the patents for the vaccines or giving substantial amounts of vaccine to countries that deserve it without any caveats on them, and the seemingly random but you know basically institutional racism of the red lists and the other covid lists of countries where saying oh you can't go to zimbabwe even though that, that omicron was already rampant through europe and just you, you kind of think that we progress in a in a certain direction and you know and it's just these i guess like instilled imperialist colonialist colonial um feelings and emotions and ways of thinking are still in the bedrock of you know british power and and parliament and it's just like there's so much more work to be done every day i think um but there's something to be maybe find hope in that as well that there's more people that i think are realizing and we can push forward and hopefully change stuff
0: no i mean i think one of the things that one of my low points is every every time It's it's what you're talking about as well because it's that idea that you get increasingly uh, right wing authoritarian kind of populist governments who who really exploit human suffering Mm. um for sort of ideological ends and and that idea that this is what we've got this, this is what how it it could be when you have displacement of people as a result of climate change and. And that sort of, the, the kind of move to totally fail to recognise other people's humanity, mm. Mm. Uh, other people's lives, other people's kind of the complexity of people who are just sort of seen as bodies washing up on beaches. I yeah. think that's the most, that's that's for me, is one of the most depressing things. Plus the fact that every time you you turn on and you see these, these images of environmental decimation or fires or whatever, and you see this happening and, you, and it's, it's happening in real time and, and there's this inertia and you look out your window and people are doing exactly the same things. Uh, you're getting the same adverts popping up asking you to consume and buy things you don't need. Yeah. And it's yeah. just the, the fact that it's an emergency and yet there's, there's such a kind of, sort of reluctance to properly address it and to recognise it means we've got to change.
3: Yeah, yeah that was a really good... Um article from George Monbiot last week, I believe, in The Guardian, maybe the week before. And he makes the observation that whenever you watch these history documentaries of societies backsliding into dictatorship, you always at some point throughout the documentary will ask yourself, why did no one do anything to stop this? And he, he kind of posits that we've reached this point now as a society. And it, and I, I totally agree. It, it, you You just watch it all happening in front of you, unfolding in front of you. And um, no one seems to care, or and, and whoever does care is just uh, totally powerless to do anything about it. Um, I agree with ads as well. I think COP was incredibly depressing. I, I've never actually been struck by climate grief before, um, until then, and I, I wouldn't say I've really recovered from it. Um, in terms of the highs, though, it's it's hard to see past Jezza um, for all the reasons that ads. He's a very tall mentions. man. He's very He is a very tall man. Um, towering figure. Um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed interviewing Andreas Malm um, as well oh, yeah. on, on yeah, his yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really interesting book. It's a really interesting interview. But also, Andreas has a really striking levity about him for someone who's so academically brilliant. And we also set up the Patreon this year, and we've had 30 people subscribe, so... Um, a massive thank you to all those people uh, for believing in us from the off.
2: Yeah, definitely. And like with yeah. with that money, you know, we're able to kind of help, you know, do other big projects and you know send me to conference and test out other things and hopefully get hold of more people and potentially in the future pay people to write articles and things and you know start our own our own media empire. I suppose empire is not the right word, is it? Uh, media communist state. <laughs> <laughs> Good it,
0: media collective. There
2: we go. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. space. Take that, Bastani. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> can I say I mean my high, po- my high points I mean working with you all of you has been a total high point. No. Oh. No, seriously, it's like you've come together on something that you all care about and there's none of the none of the kind of I I, I don't know to say factional or sort of sectarian stuff that kind of can happen in Sort of politics on the left, I just think it's been an amazing experience, and I'm forever grateful that I, I got to do it with you know, got to be part of that. But, um, in terms of highs, in terms of people we interviewed, I thought Asad Raymond was amazing. Yes. I thought he was amazing because, um, he he he, he stopped me feeling despair mm-hmm. because I think he had this kind of absolute sort of faith in in the capacity to build in communities to to engage with communities to sort of foster change and i think hearing someone who who still believes that who's really who's kept going yeah. is 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 what we all need because i think we have to keep going even when we think we might fail and i think that's the whole point you know that you you just you are committed to something and you carry on working towards it. And 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 I think he was he was really great um in in terms of really sort of making I think sort of making people believe that could happen. He also made me think I think it was Asad who made me think differently about uh, and, and about polar bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and 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 the image of the polar bear which comes up so, so often and so pervasively in kind of climate discussions and how sort of distant and, and and isolated that is from the work that we need to be doing and to make people understand that it's happening right here, right now, where we are. So I thought he, he was brilliant. Um, yeah.
3: On that yeah. subject of analogies, um, this just popped in my head. I really liked Kevin Anderson's about the idea, the thought experiment that if aliens visited humanity, they'd assume that humanity had been taken over by a species called the car. And um, yeah. just because, you know, we, we wash them, uh, we feed them, we drive them around, they dominate our cityscapes. And I just thought that was brilliant. And ever since then, I've, I've, I haven't been
1: able to unsee it, frankly. I was going to say, what I really liked about Assad was, and, and I'm not even someone who's like, oh, I'm a proud northerner and all that. I'm really not. But it struck me when we spoke to him just how southern. Uh, a movement you know the climate movement is at, at the at the sort of the high level and it, getting someone like Assad with a real northern accent and being so warm and genuine it just struck me like you know what there's, there's more there's more Assad's in you know up north and we need to sort of find them and connect with them because um he did start his, his voice just stood out for the people that we, we, we had interviewed so and I would not really thought about it until until we did interview him so
0: Andrew your your, your highlights
2: uh, um yeah Labour Conference is great um I think about Sarah Jaffe's interview all the time and about her book because uh, I feel t- kind of to what I was just talking about about like northern identity is that it's just really instilled in us about having to get a job and working and your work is such an inherent part of your identity it's about like it, what you know having a job makes you work in class you know like having Doing something with your hands, laboring, whatever, makes you part of the, you know, historical class of people that make stuff happen. And basically, she's all, all, all apart. As like, well, yeah, because there is like, you know, as Graeber said about various bullshit jobs and work that's being done for the sake of looking like there's work, and then like changing how I view work in general. You know, not just being like a physical thing, but it being a very emotional thing as well, and the various unpaid emotional work that people do like in the care sector and in their relationships and families and stuff, it's like, oh, God, yeah. And then actually that detachment from my own my own like self-worth versus, like, and work, I feel has been, like, a bit of a big change for me. Like, well, I know that I'm, you know, that everyone is inherently, you know, is worthy of a decent life and respect and love, and actually it doesn't matter how how much that is tied to their productivity, it's tied to them being humans, and that is... Something that we've needed, I think, for a very long time, and like she's working on the back of you know, very you know other scholars for generations of stuff, but she just really succinctly put it in really like human terms. It's it's a great piece of work, and yeah, I'd yeah just great. Everyone should read that book, and everyone should also read Joe Glenton's, uh Veteranhood because that's really changing my mind about the like the army and the military as well, and like socialist history to do with the forces, and yeah, it's these like books that are put out by people that. I uh, know. I wouldn't say they're massive figures, like on the left, but they're just doing some really cool shit. Um, Underrated. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a concise yeah. way of putting it.
0: <laughs> Sarah was also great to interview. She was just, she was really funny and fun to interview yeah. too. And I think that 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 was that's what stood out, as well as the book being massively interesting and sort of paradigm shifting
1: yeah i was gonna, I was going yeah, I was just going say I think one of the highlights as well for me has been i won't I won't mention any any particular one group because it'll seem like i'm I'm using favoritism but I'm not, but all the local groups that we've had on you know having this sort of passion, real passion, raw passion for people where, that you know for for, for things that are happening on their doorstep, and for them also to contact us afterwards, and every single one contacted us afterwards to say thank you so much for giving us a platform to, to say what we wanted to say. Um, and I think that because we made a decision at the beginning, of uh, right at the beginning of this podcast, that we would have local groups on, regardless of if, even if anybody was to listen or not, outside of, you know, their friends and family. Um, but I really think it was a the right decision to make. And I personally, and a few of them, have been really interesting. But again, just love that passion. And anytime there's any success, you know, it's just the department thing, you know. We we played a part in that, um, and so is that sort of real connection with our areas as well. So, um, long may that continue.
0: Hundred percent. If we don't have any more highs, lows, you know, or uh, kind of highlights from the the podcast, anybody got any um, any hopes for twenty twenty two?
1: Well, we we are we may as well say it now. We are hoping to launch a, a website in January. Uh, we've had some fantastic backing and some fantastic um, sponsorship money. Um, and so fingers crossed uh, we gonna have a fantastic website and I really think that's going to take us up a notch. Uh, we'll allow us all to maybe do our separate projects as well and bring all that to collectively. So I'm really looking forward to, um, to us launching a, a really good website.
0: Yeah, me too. It's going to be brilliant. I think it's going to really help us as well to sort of expand what we do and share what we've done in 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 new ways. Alex what about you?
3: In terms there's a couple of guests I'd like to get on. I I'm I've got I'm I'm trying to tee up Kim Stanley Robinson uh to talk about cli-fi. Cli-fi. Uh climate fiction. Cli-fi. Uh, cli just climate. science
2: fiction about Clive Lewis.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he he's been writing science fiction for 30 years um and he he's kind of been really pioneering in Creating Martian socialism um, and kind of extrapolating socialism into space uh, and seeing where that goes. So I think he'd be a really, really interesting guy to speak to. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, we would, we would love to be able to start putting out written content as well. I think, as well as producing audio and video, um, and kind of embrace that multimedia. I don't know what you'd call it. I... Um, <laughs> positioning, yeah. <laughs> multimedia
2: positioning. Oh, uh, we've sold out, guys. We've gone corporate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want to do some, like, if we can, you know, meet together in person, I want to do some live shows and have, you know, mm. reach out to the Manchester, you know, audience and activists that we know and love and get them involved in the show and, you know, in venues and do gigs and stuff, that would be great. Uh, just because... It's all well and good, like us for interviewing people, but like you know, there's always a million more questions from people that want to know about the stuff you know, want to know about Martian socialism. Um, and I'm sure Charlie Baker will have a thousand questions for anyone we have at a live gig. So I look forward to hearing him <laughs> <laughs> coming out of the crowd. <laughs> um, love you, Charlie. Uh, yeah, bring on live <laughs> shows and let's just do more podcasts and yeah, I love it. Build more solidarity.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I'm just going to say more, more, more because that's what everybody <laughs> said, <laughs> more of everything. Yeah, um, it would and- be
1: great to have some more writing because, I mean, you know, that is Alex's passion and he is fantastic at it, you know, and he does our, he does our Patreon work uh, for bonuses and stuff like that. It'd be great if we could have an outlet for, for you, Alex. Um, yeah, yeah, so I'd love that. So you could further that passion, 100%. I, and, there, yeah.
3: and, and a platform for other people as well because um, we've got, it occurred to me earlier today just flicking through all of the episodes trying to work out highs and lows um just how many of them those guests have, are, are really fantastic writers as well and and there's so many great writers in manchester as well uh so it'd be good to platform established and new writers really and edit and edit all their pieces and learn from them
0: yeah i mean it really it is. who needs navarro when they've you know,
2: <laughs> <laughs> she said it. <laughs> hey, well, you know, Alex is the one that writes for them, so you know we've we've already got well, a, sp- a spy Lucy. in the camp. And, oh and yeah, Luke. of course, yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and I, half I, of us. I, I had I had a pint served to me by Ash Sarkar at a Labour conference. So it's just ads not involved. <laughs> Haven't
1: you got a Bastani tattoo on your back? <laughs> it's
2: a, yeah, it's, it's a, a fully automated luxury something. <laughs> That's getting caught. Cool. That's not going out to where people are doing that.
0: So I'm just gonna I think I think I think we've probably said enough.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe. Just about
0: so, um this was that this was our Christmas episode, our highlights, our lowlights, um, our hopes for next year. Um thank you to everyone that's listening. And remember, if you're helping the planet in any way, we love you, we appreciate you. And we hope that you'll join us again next time in 2022.
1: Cheers, everyone. Bye. Bye.